Welcome to the HMO Success Podcast. My name's Wendy, and this podcast will help you invest in houses of multiple occupation. In this week's podcast, I have the pleasure of interviewing Van Vogstad from Coho. Now, Coho is a brand new website aimed at helping you as an HMO landlord manage your properties more effectively. So I started out by asking this entrepreneur, who are you and why should we care? Yeah, so um, so I guess I'm a kind of tech entrepreneur, though I kind of hate that term entrepreneur. I think it's banded around too much. <laughs> but um, yes, yeah, so uh, I started Coho about 18 months ago, which was to try and address the difficulties with managing HMOs. Okay, um, brilliant. Yeah, so um, I got into it because about 10 years ago, I lived in a, an HMO myself. I left uni and um, I felt like I didn't really have the uni life. And afterwards, I wanted to like actively live with people that were more sort of like-minded and have a bit of fun. <clears throat> and I got really fortunate and moved into this community of like 30 properties, all ran by the same guy that no one ever really met. And that also intrigued me further because it's like, yeah, how was he doing that? Uh, and then when we eventually met, he um, he told me that he lives about an hour away uh, running these 30 HMOs and uh, he just created systems to try and like really make it easy for himself and that everyone always asks him how do you do it because it's hard managing HMOs and yeah and that that just got me interested in the whole thing really. So that's really interesting I, I know quite a few people who've lived in HMOs before they then start investing and actually it gives them a really good insight into the the, the upsides and the downsides of of what's like for a tenant living in an HMO, I think it's really valuable research. Yeah. Uh, in fact, one of my friends, Julian, has recently been living in one of his HMOs, and I think yeah. he found out a lot from from that experience. Uh, so, what what did it teach you? What, what what were your kind of conclusions from living in your in an HMO? Yeah. So, um, so I loved it. Um, I'm I'm probably one of the few. I think it's like 15% of people that actively choose to live in them for the lifestyle. Um, and I found it like amazing that more people don't live that way because uh, humans are naturally quite sociable. Um, it's just most of the HMO products on the market. It's more about economic reasons. And the ones I lived in, they weren't high end. Like now it would be considered co-living, but they aren't. They weren't like you know really expensive renovations. It was basically just a manager who sort of gave us a lot of autonomy in the house and trust and set processes in place. Um, and I kind of feel like the experience I had, I know a load of my friends also would have wanted that same experience. But when they moved into HMOs, it was very traditional. So, so yeah, people I think were more living sort of lifestyle. independently and uh, not maybe so sociably. Is that is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah. I kind of think, um, you know, the service accommodation industry, they, they realised they had to compete with hotels and bed and breakfasts. But uh, HMOs are kind of, it's just about, trying to maximize your rents to a lot of people but I think uh, what we can move towards soon is the potential for um, for basically selling the lifestyle side of things and I think that that will encourage more people to actually want to live in them as opposed to just do it out of I can't afford to live anywhere else. Yeah yeah absolutely and I suspect that in 2021 with some of the changes we're going to see in the economy and you know the pressures on people that I think people will make the, that active choice to say actually I'd rather live somewhere where mm. like you say there is some sense of socialization um, particularly in, in HMOs that are well run so they're, they're clean they're hygienic they may have 
the bedrooms may have en suites. So that obviously, uh, you know, is good for tenants. Um, mm. But equally, um, they, they, they are not completely living on their own because it's, it's very isolating, isn't it? Working from home, living from home. You know, if you were in a one bed flat, you don't see anybody all week. And, and in lockdown, it's, it's well, depressing enough as it is. Yeah, I think you really sort of hit the nail on the head there with the working from home and isolation as well. I mean, COVID, I think uh, if you look at the most of the sort of co-living world would agree that COVID has really given a massive boost to HMOs. Um, And it may initially not look that way because people are kind of like, I don't want to live with people that can potentially be spreading things. But the reality is now a lot of people are going to be working from home and when most of the time people go out is to go to work when you're waking up in the same place and you're working in the same place and then you finish work and you're still in that same place if you can do that alongside other people we've seen co-workings already kind of boomed um and i think uh, hmo has actually been able to offer the sort of like a little bit of workspace as well we'll find people that are actually happy to spend more time with others and and are actually actively seeking that out so they don't have that isolation yeah i think that's really really true and and i suspect that i think this second lockdown has actually been much harder for people and i think people have suffered more emotionally and mentally and uh i I think that's going to absolutely you know force a bit more of a trend towards uh towards co-living and Mm. those hmos that do have a, a sort of sense of community about them yeah yeah, I think so. So tell me about how did how did Coho start, uh, and and tell tell me a bit about what it does, Van. Yeah, okay. So um, so as I said, I lived in one, um, and then I went off to sort of figure out, I don't know, to to learn a bit along the way. I I thought about making this software way back then, but I was you know twenty three at the time, and no. I won't say that. I would say no 23-year-old makes anything great the first time. It's hard to do something good the first time. Um, so I set up two different tech businesses that were <clears throat> we're fortunate to have it acquired. The first one by a top 100 fintech company, uh, the second by a multinational uh, marketing company. Um, so then <clears throat> uh, 18 months ago, me and my co-founders were thinking about what our next steps were. And you know, this has popped up quite a few times and we've kept an eye on this industry and we just thought, let's go for it. So um, what we've essentially built is HMO management software, like sort of, you know, cloud-based management platform. And when we set out, we wanted to look at kind of what existed currently. And, and what we found was that, yeah, management is extremely hard for HMOs. It's way harder than single lets. It's kind of like one six-bed HMO is more difficult than, you know, six single lets, essentially because you've got all the relationships in there as well. Um, And we saw that most people, to manage their software, they were using uh, software that was generally designed for single lets, um, and maybe they managed HMOs by, they tweaked what a block would look like, you know, an apartment block full of single let apartments is now an HMO full of rooms. Um, And it kind of, to me, it seems a bit backwards to start off with the easier one and to then sort of plug all these people in on the hard bit, but sort of, built on the back of something that was meant to be simple. Um, the other thing that we saw was that everybody was using so many different tools. Um, it was kind of like this to do this task, this for inventories, this for uh, repairs, um, and that that gives a bad experience to the end customer, but it also makes it hard to manage and it stops any potential automation because just nothing's linked together well. Um, so we set out to build something that First off, looks really nice and it's really nice to use, but also 
brings everything into one place. We focus on the HMOs. You can run singlets. It's just singlets are easier than HMOs. So it's kind of like we've started with the hard bit first. Um, and then just with the view to sort of bring everything in. So um, why is, is, is it called Coho, isn't it? Your, your, yeah. your software. Um, and why is it different from some of the other tools that are on the market? Because there, there are quite a few other tools in the market now that have developed for helping people manage HMOs. And uh, I don't, don't necessarily need to name them, but you, know, you have competitors in the marketplace. In the marketplace. What's, what's different about Coho? Um, so I'd say one, uh, again, I won't name sort of any, but I think a general trend is that um, a lot of prop tech, first of all, sort of left an open goal on the sort of usability side of things. There isn't generally a focus on things being that usable. Um, so we've been able to do some nice things there and make it really user friendly. You don't need training courses to use it. You should just be able to pick up some software and use. Um, the other thing that we focus on specifically is trying to bring everything into a single place. So we try to understand all data contextually. So for example, we know that a gas safety certificate needs to happen every year. So if we save that as a gas safety certificate and not just a document, we can then alert you that when there's a new one, it has to go to the HMO officer, it has to go to all the tenants, and that can all just happen automatically, um, as opposed to we've stored your document and now you know you then need to click some buttons to send things out. Okay. Um, so yeah, a general tends towards automation is what we're interested in. It's it's about, we kind of see it as 95% of the tasks that you do running an HMO, the admin tasks are kind of just following steps. And what we're building towards is let all that just kind of happen for you. Um, and you can focus on growing your business. Now, one of, the, one of the things that we've discovered in, in running a big a portfolio of HMOs is that, as you say, you do need a lot of different pieces of information to be stored. Mm. Um, so let, let me give you an example. When we do a refurbishment on a property, we always keep a list of all the paint colours. So they mm. may be the round paint colours or they might be the farrow and ball colours or whatever, yeah. whatever the, the colours are. Is there a way in Coho to store that information? There is, yeah. Yeah. So um, we have so we've got a load of sections for different specific things, gas safety, EPCs, inspections. Uh, and then we've got sections for like welcome packs, which is things that will go out to every tenant, you know, house rules. And then we've got a kind of miscellaneous straight private information, which, you know, that is a kind of users you need. So for the moment, that could be putting in warranties of things, um, you know, warranties of your different appliances and receipts, uh, or in that case, yeah, adding paint colours. Okay, that's yeah. interesting. Essentially, now, it's, it's the kind of catch-all kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is what it has to be, really. Yeah. So are you able to do a, a quick demo uh, with, with Coho at the moment, Van? Yeah, I can, available? I can show you. Can you share it, your screen. Um, yeah, I can show you what it looks like. Um, I think. Can you see that? Uh, yes, let me add it to the stream. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, so this is just um, essentially this is the organization page and um, I've just got some pages open. So uh, this is what it would look like when you're managing a specific property. You can see that there's nine actions. Um, 
there's a message and you know two messages related to viewings, nothing on maintenance. We do everything as action-based, so you don't have to have a calendar that's telling you what to do. Instead, based on the information you've added, we'll tell you what has to happen. So there's a, a carbon monoxide check that's due. Um, there's a response to a viewing required, event payments due. Uh, and then we've just got all these sections, like nothing's hidden away, it's just all in an easy flow. You can view the rent collection statuses on that property. Um, the welcome pack that all the tenants will get. You can put the Wi-Fi keys, bin dates, etc., in there. Um, any sort of property access things you need to remember, you know, key safe, locks, uh, all of the things related to fire safety, PAT tests, HMO licenses. Uh, one thing that we really like is that um, we use AI to generate a description for every property, uh, just to save you having to type it all in. But yeah, that that's essentially what it looks like managing a property. Um, now, you mentioned about codes. This is one of the things that we we sometimes use uh, with our yeah. contractors is that we have uh, key safes at the front of the property and codes, and we mm. change those codes regularly. So obviously in yeah. here, you could change those codes. How do you then share that as a, as a discrete element with, say, a maintenance team? Yes, so... Um, at the moment, it's just a case of you'd look at the code and tell them. But as I said, we're working towards automation. And one of the things that we're looking to build in the next probably eight weeks um, is the ability to automate the maintenance side of things. So when someone adds a maintenance issue, um, you can assign it to a supplier. And then if you want, you can then link in a code. Um, we're, we're actively pursuing partnerships with um, property access um, locks. Uh, again, I won't say names yet, but um, but to be able to generate one-off keys, uh, you know, that's going to be the kind of thing that's later in the year. But you know, when someone's coming for a maintenance thing, you can just spin them up a one one use code between a certain time. And the reason why like things like that's possible is because we're bringing it into one place. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now. Obviously, for a lot of people who are in the group, they're, they're managing their own HMOs. That We have got people who have managed uh, HMOs through an agency. Um, so for, for a few people, they might be looking at this and going, oh, yeah, yeah, this is, this is really good. You know, I can use it. But I think some of the questions would be things like, how does it interact with, for example, spare room? Because most people will be advertising their rooms on spare room. So you, you've obviously got some, uh, as you say, some AI-induced uh, advertising blurb, which is great. But how yeah. do you then use that to advertise on, let's say, spare room? And how does it link together? Yes. Yeah, so um, at the moment, we have an area for um, managing finding tenants. So what you can do here, I kind of haven't said this, but we're long term looking to take on spare room head to head. Um, we're, it's not our focus, but there needs to be another place in the market. And I don't there know does, if you indeed. This. There needs to be some competition. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know if you noticed this here. But um, when you invite your tenants to Coho, um, they get asked if they're willing to give a bit of information about themselves. And then we create um, we create profiles for your property on Coho. Now, we recognize at the moment people aren't going to be coming to Coho to find properties yet. That's the kind of longer play. But uh, if you advertise your property with it, it will show the tenants and what they've said about themselves. And that can make someone feel more likely to want to move in. But how we actually interact with spare room, um, probably shouldn't be saying this too openly, but uh, in Coho, we have the ability to 
first of all, push everything out to Facebook, uh, not to your own Facebook, it's to the actual Facebook real estate marketplace, which only certain businesses have access to. So from Coho, any, any room that's empty or has a vacancy coming up will automatically be on Coho, Facebook, but also um, you can post it to Spare Room. Great. Um, and we essentially do similar to a sort of virtual assistant sort of thing. We'll have it, we'll click through the site and, and post it on your behalf and check for any leads and we'll bring the leads back in. Um, so yes, it can go straight from Coho to Spare Room. So Van, you must be quite confident that there's a, quite, a, quite a good market for, for this product. Um, what, what, what size is the, the HMO market that you're going for here? So, um, I mean, I feel like there is a, a really a huge demand for it. We only launched last month and we've got over 100 users already. Um, in terms of the market we're going for, so we think that anybody who's managing HMOs could find this software extremely useful, extremely valuable. And that's from someone just with one to someone with you know, 20 or 30. Uh, we're moving towards making it good for agencies as well. But um, we're at the moment, we're focusing on the kind of people who are setting up a business that they want to grow. Um, and they're recognizing that it's better to get software in place right away than kind of stumble your way through and, and realize you need it later on. Um, in terms of the addressable market, I mean, I think the general figure is 500,000 of the number of HMOs, but there's probably more than that. But then also a lot of those are ones that aren't necessarily real HMOs. So it's hard to know the exact number of HMOs that are targetable. But uh, one thing we're really trying to lean in on is we're building this to help to help operators, you know, to help people with an HMO portfolio offer good service and try and attract better tenants and with that more people will be attracted to HMOs and co-living so we we really think that the market's going to grow over time um, you know, we, we think that at the moment HMOs are just the kind of economic response to what you can afford but we're seeing the boom of co-living and co-living just to, for anybody who's rolled the rise at co-living it's uh it isn't a the high-end HMOs. There's, there's a lot of co-living that is just a standard HMO. It's just they're recognizing that the compatibility is important or the uh, or um, onboarding the tenant, just sort of making sure they've met the people around them. And, and we think as that starts to come in and become more common, this market will just explode massively. Mm, interesting. Okay, cool. So in terms of your users at the moment, what's the average size of portfolio that they've got that they're managing? Um, I'd probably say that the average is probably somewhere around 10. Um, we've got a few agencies that are that kind of like 30, 40 properties. Uh, and then a few people that have three or four on there. So I'll probably say, yeah, probably say that it's probably around 10. Yeah. Okay. I didn't okay. have those numbers to hand next time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I don't want you to make you feel like you're on Dragon's Den. <laughs> I'm drilling you for the oh, figures. Oh. <laughs> uh, exactly. You're out. Um, so, um, yeah. What, what's the pricing model then, Van? That, that's, that's always a key consideration. Yeah. Isn't it? 
Yeah, so I'm from uh, the kind of really sort of modern startup kind of thing where you just go for real simple pricing and you try not to hide anything away. So um, we've just gone for a really basic one pound per unit per month. So there's no minimum price. Um, there's no extras in terms of like you have to pay for text messages, you have to pay for tenancy agreements being signed, etc. like that. It is just one pound per unit per month. Um as we start to add other things into it, so in the moment we're in the process of adding referencing and the digital signing. Digital signing almost certainly won't have a cost attached, but referencing, if you're using an external company, um, there will be whatever cost we can agree with them. But yeah, just uh, £1 per unit per month. Which is very reasonable, actually, isn't it? So for a six-bed HMO, that's £6 a month. Exactly, yeah. Mm. Um, we kind of think like... It's, it's about the long game. We want to capture the entire market eventually. We're not just looking to maximise money on a small number of people. And what about um, deposit protection? How do you handle that? Um, so you can <clears throat> say how you have it yourself, whether it's a, a guarantor, um, a deposit scheme. Um, and at the moment, we're building out our onboarding. So in there, we're going to allow people to select a deposit or replacement or the deposit protection schemes. Uh, as part of the onboarding, when they pay their money, at the moment, you'll have to protect it yourself. And then you provide the details into the system, which then provides it to the tenant to acknowledge. Um, but we are in talks with something that can potentially automate that for you so it's just a case of this is the amount and then that will automatically get put into the into the scheme and then released so, at the end okay because because generally ten, uh, landlords may use an insured or a custodial scheme so will it be able to work with both of those schemes um it will be one initially and then will be yeah it, it the whole thing is about it's about growing like we we want to keep improving the system and adding things as people want them so yeah but at the moment yeah on the onboarding you'll say if you are using a deposit protection scheme you'll say what that scheme is uh, and then they'll send the money you'll handle that in your own place uh, and then upload the details which will get sent to them okay fine so obviously there's there's some developments that you've got your eye on integrating uh, this year yeah. to, to the to the uh, the platform already haven't you yeah i mean we're really excited about our next uh our next sort of roadmap few things like the onboarding I think is going to be massive because that's probably one of the areas that people use the most mishmash of different software like emails Trello Zapier like people are using all different things then going off to their um uh, what are the contract signing things DocuSign and then yeah, yeah sign now just sort of go all over the place in that and that to us that's the one area that we can see that we can make that flow so easy kind of like how um good lord has done it for agencies we want to bring that same level of power to everybody yeah which is uh, great uh, collection side and the maintenance side which we think we can get all of these things really nailed in the next sort of four or five months perfect and in terms of you know you're growing up you're a community around coho have you got any plans to do that because I could see, you know, just as you're you're sort of uh, promoting co-living and using your platform to help people manage HMOs or, or co-living, um, you know, wouldn't it be great also to have a coho co-living, uh, you know, uh, community that can that can give you feedback, ideas, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, I mean, our users all get invited to a, a coho founders club 
private group where we sort of share some features that we're developing, get their feedback. Because as I don't know if I said this at the start, but I'm not from a property background. I lived in one and then I'm from a tech background. So everything we're building is based on feedback from our users. Like we haven't gone in with that mindset of, well, this is how I manage my properties. So this is how you're going to do yours. <laughs> We've gone in with like, let's speak to everyone around the country, get the best ideas and pull those together into something that can yeah, work for yeah, everybody. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So yeah, so, we so use how, that group for that. And how how big is the team? How big is your your sort of development team? Yeah, there's um four full time people. Um, so yes, I'm I'm very, I like keeping teams small and very involved. Uh, so like uh, the last two companies, we had both small teams, and I just find if if you don't think about just constantly growing the team and growing the team, you end up having to you act in a more scrappy and, and clever way you try and figure out how to sort of do do the most effective things so yeah yes yeah and also you so, can give a constant personal service yeah which is really important i think for people to feel that they can if they've got a question or a query or for some reason the tech fails or they have a problem yeah. they can they can phone in and, and get an answer i think there's I nothing think, worse than being bounced around between all different people and never actually getting to the one that you want i think most of our users have my mobile number and they know that they can call me <laughs> yeah which is great actually I, I presume as you get to you know your quarter of a million or half a million <laughs> uh, <laughs> subscribers you might want to change that one but <laughs> I might, may get some regrets then possibly yeah <laughs> we'll see so van in order to bring this product to the market what what steps did you have to take to to you know make it into a live product within the in the prop tech field yeah i mean it's been a it's been an absolutely marathon sort of thing so like first of all <clears throat> we had to just the first kind of six months is a real sort of scary thing where I design in my head on paper, bits on the computer, along with my team, um, what the product should do. But at that point, it's too early to go out and say to people, is is this going to work for you? So I had hundreds of conversations about what is it you're doing? And then I try and translate that to a system. Um, I think it was about, uh, I think about nine months in that we first sort of got our first users on. And then it was a real <clears throat> sort of um, scary point of, are they going to see it and be like, what the hell is this? Why have you done this? <laughs> but it wasn't. It was it was a real positive thing because some of the things that we do, um, it's quite outside the box. Uh, it's probably not as massively traditional. And that can be quite risky with, there's a reason we've done it like this for years, or this is just happens to be how we've done things, but it's not necessarily right. So, um, yeah, we went through all of this uh, sort of MVP and, and feedback loops to try and get to the point that we've got a product out that we are really pleased with. But but essentially what we see now is <clears throat> it's like it's the foundation of what's to come. Like it's really good now, I think. I think it's got some really great features in there. Like you can track your events, you can track your viewings, um, automatic compliance for all new tenants, etc. Um but we're really excited about the things that can be done now that that foundation's there. And uh, this, this is, is it set up within a brand new limited company structure or is this part of your, your other group of companies? Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's brand new. And I don't intend to be getting out of this anytime soon. It's, it's something I'm quite passionate about. The last two businesses I wasn't massively passionate about. They were just uh, really good ideas, I think. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, I really want to see how far we can take this and, and generally just take HMOs as a whole. Like I really want to be able to make it so more people feel comfortable investing in them because they know the software's there. I always thought of it as like um, if my parents wanted to invest in an HMO, they shouldn't feel the need to have to do like loads and loads of research and, and still kind of feel like they've maybe taken too much on. They should be able to have something that's almost holding the hand through it and then work on the business and get advice on how to grow their business, <clears throat> not just do the basics. Mm, that's interesting. And I think that's obviously where some, somewhere like Spare Room is quite useful because uh, obviously your approach to integrating the Spare Room is to be able to push your adverts out out to Spare Room and maybe to, to pull in relevant information and, and uh, communication. But one of the benefits, of course, of Spare Room, although it's not particularly accurate and there are caveats when you're using it like this, but it can be quite a useful research tool as well. Um, so do you see Coho maybe, you know, stepping into that uh, position of being able to kind of prefer, provide data as well to the to the market? Yeah, I mean, what Spare Room can't tell you is how many viewings have actually happened, um, why those viewings didn't succeed, um, what the thing, what the property was listed at, <clears throat> what the eventual agreed rate was. Whereas because all of that information's in Coho, what we want to be able to do is... Um, be able to suggest sort of rent prices to people as in here's the graph and depending on where you are this is how long there's maybe a chance of it being filled like the, the level of data that you can get about your own portfolio would be so good that it should be able to help you make good decisions especially over bigger portfolios yeah like it's it's essentially a data beast and we want to make that data available to analyze your own business Mm, brilliant so do you think this is going do you you think this is going to make you want to invest in hmos then van (laughs) yeah me and my business partner when we first started we looked at should we buy a couple of hmos to do alongside it and then a load of people was like don't it's really hard to manage (laughs) you won't you won't build software and manage them at the same time that's why you need to build the software (laughs) so yeah i think uh i think when we've got it up it's definitely something i'd like to do Thank you so much, Van, for being our very special guest on today's episode. It's been great to hear from you and to be inspired by this amazing new tool that you've created. I look forward to testing it out for myself very soon. In the meantime, if anyone wants to contact Van, I put his details in the podcast show notes, which you can access by coming on to the podcast and downloading all the information there. We look forward to speaking to you soon. And in the meantime, stay safe, stay well and stay listening. Thank you for listening to the HMO Success Podcast. If you'd like to know more about how you can create a profitable HMO business, please visit our website, hmosuccess.co.uk, to find out more. We have plenty of free tools and information for you there, and also on our Facebook group, The Ultimate HMO Success System. We look forward to connecting with you very soon. Thanks for listening.